everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Conversation of Our Generation. My name is Nick Jamel. I'm the host of the podcast here at The Conversation of Our Generation, the creator of the blog, and the main author on the blog as well. And I have a great show for you today about the news and how it makes you stupid and why you shouldn't watch the news or and why you should kind of just think about unplugging and getting away from it too on every platform because I think it makes you stupid. And uh, this just kind of came for me from over the weekend having that time where I unplugged, just hung out with my family and friends and whatever it was and relaxed. We didn't really have these debates. I wasn't on Twitter. And I think it raised my IQ a solid 20 points, and I put that in the show notes today. But I really do. I think that it it wasn't like I was going out and searching for new knowledge instead and reading a bunch of stuff. I really just kind of got out of my normal routine of reading and listening to podcasts and all of these things and just recharged myself. I feel rejuvenated. I feel so much better. And I think that this is something that I wanted to share here and a lot of the problems that I see going on with the news and what it does to us. Before I get into all that, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping and let you know that you can find me at Twitter at Conovargen, Facebook.com slash Conversation of Our Generation, or if you search it, you can find me there as well. My blog is conversationofourgeneration.com. And if you go to the contact portion of the blog there or any of those media channels, social media channels, you can shoot me a message, let me know that you want to write a blog, and I can get you featured on the blog, get you on the podcast, however you want to do it. I just want to get people involved in the conversation of our generation with me and start creating a dialogue so that we can have a great exchange of ideas and bring people together who may disagree or may not and have that exchange. And before I get into the rest of the show, I have a quick message too from We Do Better. We Do Better is an organization that is trying to help charities connect the resources that they need in order to meet the human needs that they're trying to meet with their organization and with the mission that drives them and fuels them to be such a great solution in helping people in your neighborhood, in your community. And what I love about We Do Better is that it allows me to be active and ensure that I am going to be helping the people in my community, the people that I see, the homeless people on my streets right in front of me, and those people that I know need help because it keeps everything local. It keeps my contributions to charities in the area that I live and not going to some far off place or getting sucked away by you know government waste. Instead, I know that I'm giving to a charity that is going to be servicing people in my community and is doing so better than other solutions out there. So if you want to get involved, go to wedobetter.org or, and look around and see what great information there is there. There's plenty to look at. And then go to the contact part and tell them that you want to get involved. Or you can go to the Facebook page for We Do Better Indianapolis if you're in my area and let me know. Or search Facebook for your locality, just We Do Better My City, My State, and see what's out there for you to get involved with. We'd love to have as much help as possible because we believe in this mission. We believe in what's going on with We Do Better because it's about 
we the people meeting the human needs in our communities and rallying around our community to make them better and to help people who really need it the best way possible and the most efficient way possible. And that's what it's about. So if you want to get involved, again, it's wedobetter.org. Go there and contact them and let them know that you want to get involved. And with that, let's go ahead and get into the quote of the day, which, as you can imagine, has to do a little bit with the news media. Um, and it's a quote by Thomas Sowell says, If people in the media cannot decide whether they are in the business of reporting news or manufacturing propaganda, it is all the more important that the public understand that difference and choose their news sources accordingly. And this is kind of obvious. I think that if you, if that's what they're doing, that we need to be very well aware of what it is that you're consuming in the quote-unquote news because I think everything from MSNBC, CNN, to Fox News, to whatever in between, can really distort your vision of reality based on the fact that it's not necessarily the straight-up news. I don't think they make it clear a lot of times whether or not they're an opinion journalist or a news reporter. Like, Sean Hannity is not a news reporter. He gives his opinion on the news. But you have people on Fox News who are supposed to be news reporters. Now, CNN was supposed to be predominantly news reporters, and they all turn out to be non-objective, not journalists, you know, opinion writers and, or, and opinion voices and all that. So, you know, it's very clear. But I think that unless you're looking at what they're doing from the other side of the political aisle, because you agree with the opinions that are being drawn, it's very easy to fall into the confirmation bias. It's very easy to fall into agreeing with Tucker Carlson's version of the news and not double-checking him because you agree with his opinion. And I like a lot of what he says, and I think his points are interesting, uh, but I wouldn't trust him as my only source of news, or I wouldn't trust anybody, though, either, as my only source of news, which is another part to think about because... If there's anyone that you listen to or watch solely or one station that you watch solely, then you aren't going to get the other side of the story. You're not going to get some of the facts that your side leaves out because they don't look as good or because they just are blind to the fact of their relevance to whatever the case is. And that could be as much as um, going on CNN and seeing that a guy killed a girl in along the border and she was Hispanic and they're trying to make this into a big deal about a Hispanic girl getting killed and then you find out he's an illegal immigrant and they want to leave that out to the uh, going over to Fox News and saying that Hannity is not only not reporting on some faux pas of the Trump uh, camp or not campaign but um the Trump uh, administration, he's going after Seth Rich and bringing in all these details, but not telling you really that there's no connection. These are this is all a theory, and it is very, very much based on a lot of internet trollery. That that thing became huge, and so you get it from either side of the political aisle, but it's because 
I think in so such a large part that they were becoming these ideological uh, pipelines. The the mainstream media was for for CNN and some of these other ones that you know the Walter Cronkites and those people were trying to be objective journalists and they were you know supposedly being objective journalists, but they weren't. They their biases were very heavy in the way they reported the news and the way that we remember the 60s and 70s is in large part because of them and the 80s even like a lot of the skew that we have on our history for a few decades there is due to the mainstream news media not really being objective but purporting themselves to be and so fox news comes in and starts to answer to that and it's really almost like the Harlem Globetrotters were playing a game against the generals and, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters being the mainstream media, far left ideology, and then the generals being the kind of conservative side of ideology is like, it wasn't even a real game because they toss up these straw man arguments in favor of the right and knock them down and, or even not even do so, just, you know, dunk on people who are really like, four feet tall and and in the end pretty much always cheating like the generals will have like two wins over the whole time because you know they act the Harlem Globetrotters just messed up so bad and eventually it's the it's like the Globetrotters or the sorry the generals were like we're, we're out of here and just went and started their own league and now they don't even play each other they just play basketball they just go shoot hoops by themselves both teams and Never talk, don't even, you know, battle against each other, play against each other. You just kind of go watch whichever shoot around you want to watch. And that's almost what's happened now is you just go watch your team shoot baskets instead of really talk about the things that we need to talk about to figure out for our country. And I think that that's a problem. And I think that it's something that you can trace all the way down from the individual <laughs> to American society as a whole. And I, I know that I've been doing this for a little while, and I think that it's because there's so many ills that I think on society that are traceable to that individual. And so I kind of want to walk through that. And what I think that the news media does for me is, whether it's right, left, or center, it's simply gets my blood boiling. It gets me annoyed and I just don't want to watch it. Like I listen to news on podcasts, I read it, but that media and the way they perform on TV is infuriating for people who are sane. <laughs> and and it bugs me and it annoys me and I just I know that that's what it's intended to do. I just don't appreciate it. I think it's not healthy to live that way all the time, you know, two, three hours a day, just sitting there with your blood boiling. And I'm sure it's bad for blood pressure and all sorts of things. And like I said, I switched to podcasts because they're less conducive to that outrage because it's kind of an hour long audio thing or a 30 minute audio thing, just like this. And you're not going to have that back and forth between, you know, a straw man argument and some host that's 
just tearing their arguments apart and they're yelling and this and that. Instead, you kind of just have a person giving you the news. I like the Daily Wire guys. I know they're bent. They admit it. And where I, and then I also listen to, other, or I don't listen to any other podcast, but I'll check up on news stories from other sources as well to read what the other ones say and kind of get those facts. But a lot of times what will happen is they just kind of break down the news stories for you and show you where the bias in the media comes from and where how they hide it by, you know, reading CNN and reporting on CNN news stories, reporting on left-wing sources news stories, and like the Washington Post or whatever. And I think that that's a good model because it kind of gives me a sense of listening to and reading where they're right and wrong and they are pretty fair on how they judge it and they're pretty good at how they break those things down because sometimes when I read it I and I've gotten better at it but when I would read those sources I wouldn't see how the wording and how they work the article how that kind of creates that level of bias that you just don't understand because they feel like they're so much reporting the truth that they just can pass it off as fact when it's really an opinion. And, you know, I don't have five hours a day to go through and research everything, so listening to a couple podcasts helps me to clear up some of the discrepancies that I don't have time to search for on the internet for an hour and a half. And so that is one way that I do it, but at the same time, it's still so often top of mind, it's still so often a part of my daily ritual that, and it's not every day, but most days, that it's important to be aware of the news around the world, but it's not the only thing. And when, so we have to remember that, but more importantly than the fact that it's not all there is, we have to remember that there's other things too that are very important in our life that are generally more important in our life that we should be paying attention to from friends and family to your work to your health and your spirituality, all of these other aspects of your life that are so much more important than what's happening in Washington, D.C. or New York or Silicon Valley. And those are the three places we talk about all the time in maybe some other major cities and other countries or Maybe sometimes a news story breaks out in Florida, you know, every election cycle, and that's it. it. It's never just reporting on what's happening in your local community. And so I think that that's a problem because that's what's on the top of your mind is everything else, everything that's outside of your control, everything that's outside of where you reside, everything that's outside of your community and your sphere of influence. And instead of focusing on all those things, why don't you just focus on what you can control? That's like why I didn't vote <laughs> a couple weeks ago and I talked about it on this podcast is even though I'm very, very active in understanding the politics around me and looking for people that are worth voting for, I, I don't want to take an hour and a half out of my day to go, you know, cast one ballot out of millions in favor of some guy who's going to go off and probably not even fulfill his campaign promises instead of working an extra hour that morning to make myself better and ready to 
earn more income so that I can support a family so that I can gain experience to and also gain experience to in the future secure that income and whatever it is to build a family to build a life for myself and to be able to give back to my community that's what I want to be able to do and Washington DC doesn't do anything of that for me they don't help me at all all they do is get in my way Republican or Democrat most of the time so why do I spend my time with them on those things unless I'm I do do it so I can vigilantly watch and defend my liberty that's why I want consume news to know what's going on and I think that having that thing top of mind all the time too makes it such an important issue for everybody <laughs> and when that happens I think that when it gets to your family and friends politics becomes a topic of conversation so much more and my friends are some of them are very political and generally the friends that I have who are very political, the ones that lean left, we kind of stay away from it. The ones that are more conservative, we mostly just joke. We don't even like really have actual conversations about politics. We just make fun of politics or make political jokes and that's about it. And generally they're actually not. My friends are very also well versed in history, better so than I am. And it's generally like humor from some obscure ruler of Eastern Europe two centuries ago that actually goes way over my head. Those are generally the jokes that I have uh, come in contact with politically. But it's, I do think that it's something that divides family and friends a lot of times because it's so top of mind, it's so important, and people are putting all their eggs in this basket of national politics. And whenever that basket drops and you have to go get new eggs, it's like, just such a task it's such a problem and it's such a worry and these problems that we have with the media where it's kind of siloed into your two like sex basically you have the CNN and you know MSNBC the general mainstream media and then you have Fox for conservatives and both of them basically silo an ideology and generally it's not the strongest form of the ideology either or ideas that are the philosophy underlying it it's the ideology is this unbending belief in this these ideas without really knowing a lot of times the roots of the ideas also i think that that siloing is dangerous and presenting it as news is irresponsible and purposefully destructive, completely destructive to what our society is supposed to be. Because now you couldn't even say that you watch Fox News to a liberal or a liberal say that you watch CNN to a conservative without sparking a political debate or without being written off or having your choice in news scoffed at, you know, either way, because both of them are fake news to the other. And really, it's all fake news. But, um, <laughs> but really, that is a problem because you don't have to be able to agree on everything with friends and family. Far from it. You should probably still be able to disagree and have spats and have arguments about politics, about the way to run your family, about what's going on in your community, all those things. My family was always, still is, always debating and arguing about things like this. 
And really, at the end of the argument, mom always settles us down for the most part and tells us to just drop it and we start talking about something else and there's no problem. It's almost like a sparring of some sort. Like, we don't, as soon as someone kind of draws a little blood, it's like, okay, let's get this, let's bandage you up and get out of this situation. That's pretty much how it goes. And I think that that's fine, that's healthy, and that's a way to build your understanding, especially for younger people debating against their parents or debating against their older siblings, to learn not only the facts of the case, but how to present them and how to argue in favor of your beliefs and to practice doing so, I think it's good. You also learn how to answer people differently because I can't debate my dad the same way I would my mom because they're different people, they have different ways of presenting the facts, and I have to go against, uh, you know, argue against them differently. And so, to me, this divides uh, people along those fanatical lines instead of really allowing them to have what most people have, which is a moderate set of beliefs where you're a little bit on either side and, you know, you can understand that other position because your buddy thinks that way and he's presented a decent case and you don't think he's a bad guy or my cousin really believes this idea that I disagree with, but he's a good person. He raises his kids right, etc. And so it's not a problem. And I think that not seeing that within our community, not being able to hear when other people disagree, assuming that, you know, our family and friends all agree with us on most things, or if they don't, we just don't talk about it, is not healthy because you can't have that back and forth, a healthy exchange of ideas that I think is important to having a free society. I mean, we have to have that. Otherwise, if we're not talking about our ideas and picking out which ideas are the best to run our country, then someone will. And it'll be someone who has the most money or who has the most power or simply wants to, you know, change the way America works for whatever reason and has the ability to persuade people through the media to do so. And I think that that problem really stems from the fact that politics is so top of mind that you don't really have that back burner thing to cool down with. You don't always have that ability to pull out of the conversation and just say, all right, you know, this is a good conversation, but I think I'm done. I'm, I'm, I just can't talk about this anymore. Let's talk about something else. It's getting a little too heated because you either lose or you're having some other, I mean, there's just some stupid reason why you can't pull out of that and just let it be. And I think that that's an issue for building that baseline for what becomes a community because it's your family and your friends and that extension of yourself, you know, your individual self to the people in your nearest community, that inner circle, that the way you interact with them, that's going to reflect how you interact with the community on a greater basis, but in a more detached way. And I think what happens there is that as families and friends, you know, 
kind of silo themselves into their beliefs or, you know, don't associate with each other outside of family holidays because they can't get over the politics of things or whatever it is, it makes it hard to be a minority viewpoint in your friends or your family. And then it also makes that hard on the community scale as well as people silo themselves out and sort of divide along these lines, whether it's by community from racial communities that divide on political lines to religious communities to just your actual physical geographical communities from the difference being living downtown to being in a suburb to being in a rural area just outside the city. People seem to be migrating so much to where their political beliefs are aligned. And I think that it's in large part due to the fact that you do want your community, your small community to agree with you in some way because you have to live in that small community. So you want them to agree on things, but when all you talk about is national politics, well, now we're not talking about whether or not we need to invest in infrastructure on this major road in our community that's really bad. We're talking about abortion, and we're not solving that problem in the east side of Indianapolis, northeast side of Indianapolis. That's not happening. So why are we talking about it? Why don't we talk about this bad road or this school that might seem actually underfunded, but is actually wasting a lot of money. We can look at that. We can look at the problems that are actually facing our community. Do we need a bus line in our community? You know, these are things that as a city we have to confront. And instead of doing that, I feel like it just gets swept under the rug and we talk about Trump and Nancy Pelosi because that's what the mainstream news media talks about because they're not, you know, Fox and CNN aren't going to talk about whether or not Indianapolis needs roads. I mean, the water in Flint's still poisonous, and <laughs> they don't talk about it anymore because, you know, it's not a great, it's not a good news story anymore, and it's run its course. And so now they're not going to talk about that problem in that community. They did because it was an outcry, and they wanted to, you know, make some big hubbub about it. And I think that it was good because it also got those people help for a while, but obviously. The problems aren't solved. And the thing is, as people become so entrenched, it reinforces the ideology as well. As we silo ourselves out, now you're around people in your community who agree with you completely and scoff at your friends and your family's beliefs or whatever it is. You kind of find this niche of people who agree with you and now because they agree with you and you're able to be sort of flippant about the other side. And this is something that C.S. Lewis in the screw tape letters talks about is uh, that one of the best ways that you could, that you could kind of pull someone under to the dark side is by making them an intellectual so that their only sense of humor is flippancy. Um, and, and I think that that's interesting because that's, I mean, kind of what you see on the coastal elites a lot of times is this, you know, that's the Hillary Clinton calling the middle of the country deplorables or, you know, writing off the people who voted in the president, which is basically about half the country and joking about them really badly. That's why I mean, that's why comedy sucks is it's all flippant humor and it's not fun. Um, it's not poking at anything, really. It's just, oh, those people. Ha ha ha. 
and kind of you flip the wrist and you hold your Chardonnay in the other hand, and that's what it is. And so I think that that siloing, back to that point, is something that we have to be aware of in our communities and push ourselves to, within our friends and family, have some discussions that, with the people that we can, at least at first, that don't get too heated to find the disagreements among the people who you think you agree with, really, because my dad and I have that a lot. My brother and I have that. My mom and I, and like, you know, you know, I am an anarchist, so most people disagree with me on a lot of things, but we agree on a lot of things, and I don't think that any of us think that our political beliefs make us bad people. I'm just a little bit more extreme in what I think the government shouldn't do. That's about the difference between me and my family on things, and so when you find those differences in your family, you can kind of accept those differences then in your community, I think, because if I can live with these people my whole life and still love my brothers, still love my parents, still love my grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles and all of this, and they disagree with me on some major issues that I believe in, well, can I get along with the people at work now? Yeah, because... I have to live with these people, but I've been able to really, really live with these other people. And so the people that I have to work with or the people that I associate with at church, the people that you get into the, you know, your club volleyball or basketball team with whatever, you know, your league, your softball league, those people, you don't have to have that same level of agreeing on politics because you have another common cause, whether it's building a business together, whether it's worshiping God, whether it's uh, winning the turn, you know, the team tournament and or the playoffs or whatever it is. And I think that that kind of will start to unite us and say, oh, you kind of can reach across those aisles and you can go back to making ESPN about sports, making you know, these common things for people to talk about. Going back to talking about the amazing things on TV or the great movie you saw last week, even though there aren't really any great movies anymore, but there's a lot of really great TV. Um, you know, this new musician or old music that you both love. And you can have those kinds of conversations again with people who you disagree and, and you know, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, as long as you're not like me and you tell everyone that you don't like the Beatles and that you think that they're actually a bad band, um, which is probably going to make me lose listeners right now. But that's fine. <laughs> I still think they're crap. <laughs> and so as long as you're not talking about music and you say that, then you'll probably be okay. That's probably more taboo than saying that you like Trump in today's world, which is pretty taboo. Um, but I think that if we can find a way to do that within our communities where we can stop siloing ourselves and we can start to look at, instead of just this ethnic and religious diversity, we can look at this diversity of ideas, a diversity of political beliefs, and find out that really most people in and of themselves are diversity of political beliefs. I mean, I call myself a conservative, but I'm that way because that's how I want to live my life is under the conservative ideas for the most part but that's how I want to live my personal life 
is by getting married and having a job and working to provide for a family and having a wife that helps me take care of the kids primarily, but I we've talked and she wants to work, so that's fine. You know, that was something that I was like, I will not let her work, but um, because that's not right, but you know, I would be fine with my wife working. I kind of made that up in my mind ahead of time and but I'd like for her to have a, a little bit more presence in the kids' life than in work at that time when they're younger. And I want that to be my life. I want my kids to go to the Catholic schools in my area because I think they give them a better chance at having a good spiritual life. I want to build a spiritual life for myself. That's how I want to live. And that's why I'm against so much government interventions because I want to be able to live that life the best way that I can. And I see that the government is almost always an impediment on that. And so at the same time, I also don't care what other people do. So I'm not a conservative who goes around saying that I care about what gay people do or whatever it is. I mean, what drug, you know, what people who use drugs do or this or that. And so I don't interfere with other people's ways of doing their life or living their life either. And I try to kind of keep that consistency. But because I think that my main political thing is don't mess with me. I don't mess with you and I won't don't vote to take away my liberties. I won't vote to defend them by taking away yours or doing anything like that. If we can kind of agree on to disagree on things and let each other live each other's lives, then we're fine. That's my political belief. So I will stand up for other people's liberties because I would hope that they would do the same for me. And I think that what that does then is it pits me against some people, but there's a lot of people who fight for gay rights who could, you know, talk to me and I would say, yeah, I mean, I'd vote for a ballot measure to, you know, allow gay marriage. I still don't think it's marriage necessarily, but I think that you should have the right as a person in a free country to live with and get the tax breaks with whomever you please, you know, in a monogamous union. Sure. That's fine. And so, and I'd still party at your wedding. I'm not really that extreme on it. If it was a friend, I don't care. I mean, who? I don't, it doesn't bother me. You know, I think that that mixed bag within myself is something that's in everybody. And that's kind of why I explain that is that I want you to realize that I have a lot of beliefs that probably lie all across what we consider to be the right left political spectrum, but it all kind of boils down to a common principle in my book. Whereas people just have these beliefs that, you know, they don't know why sometimes it's a little intuitive or it is, uh, it is a primary belief that they hold politically that they have to spread out. Like if it's equality, well, that's going to, or fairness, that's going to possibly, well, fairness wouldn't, but equality would interfere with my political, primary political belief of liberty. And so now we can have that conversation because now we can hash that out. But in a community of all these people with a mixed bag, you'll find things that you agree on. You'll find things that you disagree on. And then you can understand why. Then you can understand people better because you see what other people around you hold as that primary political belief and why they do so. And lastly, on the front of America as a society as a whole, I think that 
because we sit right now have nowhere to turn in our personal lives, so many people, I guess, I do, but so many people have nowhere to turn from family and friends to community that we kind of turn to national politics, social media, or the mainstream outlets to find that tribe because you feel displaced from your family for being a dissenting voice. So now, you know, if you're in rural Indiana, you're the only person in your town that went to the Women's March. I understand you feeling different and displaced, but it's not, you shouldn't lash out against your family. You should, you know, talk to them, understand their beliefs, understand, have them understand yours and disagree to disagree and not talk politics at the table. That's a good solution. But instead, people go to social media and chat room, well, not like chat rooms, well, I guess there is Reddit still, but um, things like that and their national politics, those outlets, to find the people who they can kind of call their ideological family, and they put that ideological family above their family. And it happens the same for someone who, you know, listens to Ben Shapiro in LA, that you're going to feel that displacement among your friends, you're going to, you know, you'll find a bubble of people, probably, but you're going to find that you're much better off talking to people on, you know, in feeds on the Daily Wire Twitter feed or, you know, getting in the comment section there on Twitter and Facebook, YouTube, and chatting with people about your political beliefs and owning the libs. And that's where you're going to find your tribe instead of having those real conversations with people around you and controlling the temperature of the conversation, but allowing it to kind of go where it needs to go so that you can understand each other. And to me, instead of falling into that tribe that has, you know, disagreements, scuffles, and other struggles in your community, we're finding ourselves in a tribe based on ideology of people who just agree with us. And I think that it's good to have people out there for the displaced that you can hear that there's people struggling. I think it's great for people who are in some of these Muslim countries that are really, really having a tough time at allowing for human rights to flourish, to hear that other countries are having this problem and how people are fighting back because there's a lot of problems there. I think that that's good. But for the people who live in America and have the ability to express themselves written into their constitution, protected by, you know, more guns than people from the government being able to take it and from anyone being able to take it, then I think that we need to rethink the, how much we turn away from the people around us towards these media outlets as a country and stop creating these tribes around the country of people online, of people who happen to watch the same news station or listen to the same podcast. And I think that it's good that there's a common following there that you can find some common ground with people around the country because it brings the country together to have some of that for sure, to know that anywhere I go, I can find someone who uh, agrees with me and meet up with people and spark conversations with interesting people who have different perspectives because they're from a different area, that's awesome. That's great. But 
I think that we need to have a coming together as a country, but it has to start by working with your neighbor and trying to mend the wounds that we've inflicted on the people around us instead of worrying about reaching out to people who will never meet in person or, you know, getting on discussion boards and uh, or in comment sections or whatever it is about our political beliefs. Go out and embody them and live what you believe and preach it, sure, but I think that there's a lot more to this life than national politics, and I think that we have to remember that. We have to know that if you need that outlet to, because you're the lone conservative or the lone liberal in your area, then use that outlet to get out your anger and your frustrations and better your arguments so that you aren't putting up a straw man. Do it. Get ready, because I think that we need to be able to have those real arguments, and if you're secure in what you believe, politics doesn't become that heated. It might if people are misunderstanding each other a little bit and, you know, you're kind of getting frustrated. You know, that's generally what happens to me is if I get frustrated, if I can't quite get the wording right to say what I'm trying to say to make the point that I want to make, that to add that nuance to an argument, it gets frustrating. But I don't get mad at people disagreeing with me because I don't care (laughs) because I know why I believe what I believe and that's fine and if you don't I don't have to save you I don't have to bring you over to my ideological side or my you know political side to save your soul I, I don't think that's what I have to do and I don't think I have to argue that way either to bring you to the Christian side to the Catholic side to save your soul either I think that there's much much more to it and I think that the best way to really bring people to your side is to live that joyous life to show people in the way you live and what you do why what you believe is correct because I think that if you can align those things from your spirituality to your politics to the way you live your life it really helps you to show some sort of a oneness, a unity in the way you live your life and a sense of wholeness that you can put out there. And that's really what you want is this sound philosophy, this rock that you can hold to, that you can cling to. And that's why I talk about my spiritual side when I talk politics and all these things because my beliefs are all related together in some way or another. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to hold a belief because if it disagrees with the foundation that I've built for myself, then I either reassess my foundation and if it seems sound still, then I throw out the other idea. If it, then if I reassess my foundation and I see an issue with that, then I carve out the problem and I bring in that new piece uh, of information and work it into the foundation. And I think that that's a way that we have to approach our beliefs politically in every uh, every way but I think politically it's most important because I think it's most important to do it politically because politics really are the least important part of that the most important part is are you learning 
how to be a skilled person in your craft and going to, you know, your church, Sabbath, mosque, whatever it is, temple, whatever it is, and, and building a spiritual life and going out and meeting someone who you can spend the rest of your life with and building a, you know, a family life. Are you doing those things? That's what's more important. Politics is, in America, the way that you make sure that the government stays out of your way so that you can do those things. Or, in some cases, provides some of the avenues to do those things in your local community. You know, attracting the right businesses so there are jobs in your area for you to have. Or there is growth potential for your kids to be able to stay in your area and find jobs there too. So that you can have your family together. That's what's important. Who gives a damn what's going on in these coastal cities, unless you're in them, um, but then I wouldn't be worried about what's going on on Capitol Hill if you're in Washington, D.C. There's a whole lot of other problems in, in that city. Uh, and focus on those things. That that's, that's where we can really make a difference. That's why I didn't vote, is so that I can focus on making my community a better place, making myself a better person, and spending an extra hour doing some of this, talking to you guys, working on my blog, my podcast, and getting my ideas out there and sharing this and inviting people constantly to have this conversation with me so that I can learn more, so that other people can engage with me and listen to my ideas and vice versa. That's what I want. That's why I do this. That's why I have the conversation of our generation. I think it's so vital to this generation that I'm a part of, that I'm kind of the, you know, the millennial generation that I'm a part of and the one right below me, which is my brothers, that we need this. We need an outlet where we can converse and have this free exchange of ideas where you can start to meet these people and talk to these people that do disagree locally, around the country, around the world, so that we can really decide what the, you know, we're going to be shaping the world here soon. And we have to be very steadfast in what we believe to be able to do that. Otherwise, we'll go along with what the world's being made into and we won't have a say in what it becomes. And with that, guys, thank you for listening to today's episode. I think it was a, a good one. It was one that I just kind of was not sure what I wanted to talk about. And it just kind of came to me that, man the last five days were great without all this stuff. So I wanted to talk about it, share my experience a little bit and talk about why I think that we can bring this together. And if you enjoy it, if you enjoyed listening, if you enjoy my message and what I'm doing here, please subscribe on iTunes, go to the blog, read more, comment, follow me on Twitter at con of our gen, find me on facebook.com slash conversation of our generation. And, uh, you can also find me on conversationofourgeneration.com. Go to the contact portion if you want to write a blog or do whatever there. You can help find me there as well. And thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you had a good experience as well. I, I sure as heck enjoy making this podcast. And thank you for joining me in the conversation of our generation. Let's get the dialogue going. I'll talk to you next week.